Saturday, April 3rd, 2021. The day tucked between yesterday and tomorrow. Call it today or call it now. Yesterday's gone and tomorrow's not here yet. Who knows what this day'll bring. One thing's for sure, today will be a lot easier if I don't get tangled up with regrets about yesterday or worries about tomorrow. I need to focus all my attention on what God's doing right now and not get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. He'll help me deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Today's trouble is enough for today, whatever it is. Yesterday I took some time to remember how the one I follow saved the world and everyone in it from themselves. And death, at least the ones of us who love him. Isaiah wrote about him hundreds of years before he came to die, die for us, and to beat death. Who believes what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment, and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. And God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong on him, on him. He was beaten, he was tortured, but he didn't say a word. Like a lamb taken to be slaughtered, and like a sheep being sheared, he took it all in silence. Justice miscarried, and he was led off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare, beaten bloody for the sins of my people. They buried him with the wicked, threw him in a grave with a rich man, even though he'd never hurt a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Still, it's what God had in mind all along, to crush him with pain. The plan was that he give himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see life come from it. Life. Life. And more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. Out of that terrible travail of soul, 
he'll see that it's worth it and be glad he did it. Though what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones as he himself carries the burden of their sins. Therefore, I'll reward him extravagantly, the best of everything, the highest of honors, because he looked death in the face and didn't flinch, because he embraced the company of the lowest. He took on his own shoulders the sin of the many. He took up the cause of all the black sheep. He wrote it before it happened, and then it happened just the way he said it happened. He wrote 66 chapters, but the 53rd chapter of Isaiah is one of my favorites. Then, Jesus' friend and follower, John, wrote this after Jesus finished his mission. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has seen God, ever. But if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us, and his love becomes complete in us. Perfect love. This is how we know we're living steadily and deeply in him, and he in us. He's given us life from his life from his very own spirit. And we've seen for ourselves and continue to state openly that the Father sent his Son as Savior for the world. Everyone who confesses that Jesus is God's Son participates continuously in an intimate relationship with God. We know it so well. We've embraced it, heart and soul, this love that comes from God. God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on Judgment Day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ's. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is one not yet fully formed in love. We, though, are going to love. Love and be loved. First we were loved, now we love. 
he loved us first. If anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he's a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. This is only a part of one of John's letters from the fourth chapter of his first. He met Jesus face to face, walked with him, ate with him, participated in his miracles, witnessed his arrest, saw his death, and saw him rise from the dead. Today, Saturday, I'm trying to put myself in the place of John and Jesus' other disciples the day after they witnessed his death. They'd heard his word, ate his bread, drank his wine, and seen him do the impossible. They knew nature itself obeyed him. He cured incurable diseases and even gave life back to the dead. But now, he himself was dead. They hunkered down in fear for their own lives. The ones who killed Jesus would probably look for them next, right? They hid together in small groups, probably even shared three years of stories with one another. Maybe they tried to make sense of everything that happened and what to do next. They were alone. Jesus was gone and they didn't even have the spirit yet. They were alone. From all accounts, they had no idea what God was doing, how he was doing it, and when he was going to do it because it was still the Sabbath. The day after, they witnessed the death of their hope. I can't imagine their desperation, but I'm trying to put myself in their position today, Saturday. I know how their story ended because tomorrow I'll celebrate what they didn't yet know. Jesus lives. What a surprise for all who love him. But Saturday, the day before he rose, must have been a dark day for his friend John. I know he lives. John and other witnesses, eyewitnesses, provide convincing testimony that matches Isaiah's prophecy and others. Even more, his spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, lives in me now to reassure me. So now, why am I nervous about the future? Why do I still struggle with worry and fear? He left, but he also left his first followers. He left us all instructions. He told us to believe. He told us not to worry. Then he did exactly what he said he'd do. Some of us still hunker down in fear for our own lives. The one behind those who killed Jesus would probably do it again if they could. They persecute those who follow him. We still meet together in small groups, even share thousands of years of scripture with one another. We try to make sense of everything that's happening and what to do next. It's easy to feel alone. But this time, even though he's gone, he left us with his instructions, his peace, and the very spirit of God. We're not alone. How could we be alone? I feel like an elevator between floors, 
somewhere between where I started and where I'm going. I don't have enough gray matter between my ears to understand everything that's happened, what's still happening, or what's about to happen, but I know my between time, the mean time, is easier with my hope in Him. Tomorrow, Sunday, I look forward to celebrating His life, our victory over death. It's impossible to know when He's coming back, but there's plenty to do between now and then. But I would love to see Him come back again on the day we celebrate His victory over death. Look, He comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see Him even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. Revelation 1, 7-8 puts a smile on my face a glow in my heart, and hope in my spirit. I'm thankful I have scripture. I can read it, and he allows me to believe it.